welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 13 this morning, we're up in our series on Mark. And uh, I'm so thankful for Pastor Josh's message last week. I was thinking about the whole gospel or the full gospel. And uh, often we'll talk about healing, we'll talk about salvation, deliverance. But he brought out so adequately and eloquently at times that whole issue of the balance of the love of God and the grace of God, but also how strict and uh, not so much strict, but how direct Jesus was in regards to the truth and standing for the truth and being for the truth and how God stands, uh, wants us to stand for the truth. And in our uh, journey through Mark, we come to the Olivet Discourse. If you've uh, ever looked into study, you'll realize that this particular discourse is famous as Jesus counts the countdown to the crucifixion, the last hours, as he's coming to that place where he's going to give his life uh, and um, for our salvation And he does this because of the love of God, but also because of the love of God and his grace, he gives a warning. And what prompts this warning or what begins this warning is in verse 1. He says, as Jesus was leaving the temple that day, one of his disciples said, Teacher, look at these magnificent buildings. Look at the impressive stones in the walls. And one writer wrote about this. He says, The disciples seemed a little overawed like tourists as they were amazed at the sights of the city of Jerusalem. They had good reason to be amazed because the temple compound, as uh, remodeled by Herod the Great, was one of the magnificent structures of the ancient world. The Jewish people were justifiably proud of this great building. This temple was originally rebuilt by Zerubbabel and Ezra, but it was greatly expanded and improved by Herod. Herod's work on the temple was huge, nearly 460 metres long and 350 metres wide. I don't know what you guys thought the temple was, but that's, that puts perspective for you. Herod's rebuilding started in 19 BC and was not fully completed until 63 AD taking more than 80 years. The magnificent temple compound was finished only seven years before it was destroyed in AD 70. So at the time of Christ, the construction of the temple or the renovations of the temple was still happening. But these guys, these uh, disciples, are are there with Jesus and they come to him and they're impressed and they make note of the temple structure and the size of the stones and how good man is in man's construction of something to worship God. Think about that. Sometimes we are so proud of what we do in somehow devoting our worship to God then Jesus brings a bit of a sobering word to them and says not one stone will be laid on top of each other at the end nearly 40 years 
After Jesus prophesied the temple destruction, there was a widespread Jewish rebellion. And uh, uh, some of this rebellion, they had some minor successes. But ultimately, Rome crushed them and crushed the, crushed the Jewish rebellion and uh, leveled Jerusalem and leveled the temple. So what happens then as these men are looking at the temple, the next, it says a little while later in one, one text, Jesus takes them to, a, is overlooking uh, this temple mount and still there with the men and he uses it as a reference point and he begins to unpack to them a prophetic warning. Jesus speaks about deceit, wars and major conflicts, disasters, earthquakes, famines, and the, there's a, in the old King James it uses the word troubles, and that's a word that in the, in the Greek means water disturbances. Ask the Victorians and the New South Welshmen and even some of the Queenslanders about water disturbances at the moment with the floods. He talks about betrayals, even in families, official proceedings by government authorities against you, beatings as punishment from the authorities and ultimately hatred because of Christ and because of people being Christ followers. Much is discussed in these verses and it really doesn't matter to me this morning your theological stand on where you stand on a pre-rapture, mid-trib rapture or a post-trib rapture. What Jesus is saying here is a prophetic warning to all Christians for all generations. And I'm going to focus a little this morning on that prophetic warning. And, uh, but here, if, as you look into this, there is a comparative text as I studied this out in Matthew 24. And Matthew 24 was written to Jewish Christians. Mark was written to Gentiles, specifically Romans. So given the emergence of where we are in history right now of the cancel culture, given the emergence and the ascendancy of leftist, leftist theology in the Western world, which is traditionally, uh, the Western world is traditionally Christian uh, ethics and Christian based, and given the rise of anti-Christian sentiment and rhetoric, I believe this prophetic warning by the Lord, is contemporary. It's for us today. In Joel chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, Blow a trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm on the holy mountain. In light of that, I want to preach a message to you this morning called Watch Out. Let's read our text. It's from the New Living Translation. I'm going to begin reading in verse 3 down to verse 13, and I'll uh, just in, uh, in reference the various other scriptures in this text as we go through. So the Bible says very clearly, Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives across the valley from the temple. Peter, James, John, and Andrew came to him privately and asked him, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will you show us that these things are about to be fulfilled? Jesus replied, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, they will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. 
nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in very many parts of the world, as well as famines. But this is only the first of the birth pangs, pains and with more to come. When these things begin to happen, watch out. You will be handed over to local councils and beaten in the synagogues. You will, be, uh, you will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. For the good news must first be preached to all nations. But when you are arrested and stand trial, don't worry in advance about what, you, to, uh, what to say. Just say what God tells you, to, uh, uh, tells you at the time. For it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. And children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And everyone will hate you because you are my followers. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And then verse 23 says, watch out. I've warned you about this ahead of time. I want to pray before we go any further. Father, I thank you for the word of God and Jesus for your prophetic warning to us today. I pray, Holy Spirit, quicken this word. Anoint this word. Let ears be able to hear and eyes be able to see the truth of your word today. I ask for your hand of grace and blessing. Help us in this place today, I ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people shouted. That wasn't a shout. <laughs> okay. I felt a burden when I read this text and I, I saw on the preaching schedule that Pastor Josh had given me this text to, re, to preach from. I felt a burden, a weight on my shoulders and my heart because in, when you preach to a church, when you bring the Word of God, you want to bring love. You want to bring grace. You want to bring the truth of God's Word. But this is, there's no easy way to dress this up today. There's no way to skirt around the truth of what God's going to say. And I felt, well, okay, let's see what God wants to say. So firstly today, and I, I was inspired by uh, my brother Darren Gim when I heard him preach in another church. He used this uh, used a phrase and, and, and it stirred my heart. I want to say to you, watch out and be prepared. I want to say to you, watch out and be prepared. The Lord Jesus brings a prophetic warning. And I don't believe this warning was just for the end. I believe it was for every generation from that time forward. I don't know if you're across the story of Pastor Andrew Brunson a missionary to Turkey who lived in the city of Smyrna and pastored a small church, a Protestant church of 24, uh, of 24 people. Brunson was arrested in uh, October of 2016 in Turkey, supposedly for being associated with a terror group called FITO and with another group called, of the, uh, called the PKK for espionage. He was incarcerated 
for a total of 735 days. For a time, the article that I read uh, told us that Brunson was held with 21 other people in a cell that was made for eight. He was reportedly he reportedly lost 20 kilos over the time he was in incarceration. He had complained at about the halfway point uh, to the prison doctor that he was uh, uh, losing his mind and going insane. He was moved eventually in 2018 to house arrest. Brunson later wrote in his memoirs, every day I fought fear and each day I surrendered myself to whatever God had for me. He constantly encouraged himself that God was teaching him to stand in the dark and trust the Lord. And he focused on Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 10. The second part of the verse says, If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. Eventually, after the intervention of the United States government and the imposition of higher uh, uh, trade uh, tariffs, Brunson was released on Friday the 12th of October uh, 2018. In regards to his persecution, in Brunson's um, memoirs, he wrote this statement, which inspired me as well. He said, not being prepared is very, very dangerous. He's responding to the question that many Christians pose about persecution, about going through a hard time for your faith. And he says, not being prepared is very, very dangerous. Now, your reaction to this story about uh, Pastor Andrew Brunson is, well, wow, you know, glad he, he was able to get out. Uh, but what, what's that got to do with me? I live in Australia. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. It goes on to say in verse 12 and 13, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. Do you want to live godly in Christ Jesus? That's the question you need to pose yourself and then prepare yourself for the rest of this scripture because it says, yes, and all who desire, not even, it's just a desire to live that way. You're not even living that way sometimes, right? He says, yes, and all who desire to live in godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So my question to you today is, could this happen in Australia? Could someone be wrongfully accused and detained for their faith in Christ? Could someone be detained or arrested or had charges in a court of law brought against them for publicly declaring their belief in the Bible? What about losing your job because you believe in the Bible? What about losing your job because you agree with the biblical view on sex outside of marriage? Oh my goodness, how many shows today legitimize what we call fornication 
sex outside of marriage. It is the norm. My family went, to, uh, my, my, my wife and my daughters went to a family wedding recently in Brisbane. And while they were at that wedding, um, my nephew, who's getting married in, uh, in uh, I think it's February, he, he's been living with his girlfriend, his fiancée now, for about two or three years. He asked the question, because they, it was a Christian wedding they went to. The, uh, my niece was getting married, and she hasn't been living with her fiancé. And my, my nephew said, so these guys, when did they start living together? Well, from today, because they got married. So they've not, not lived together before. He thought it was absolutely strange that they had not lived together, that they had not had sex before marriage. It is, the, it is, it is beyond the world's mentality that Christians still believe this. So could we have a problem with people because we don't believe in homosexual relations? Could we be, lose our job or have some sort of problem in the workplace because of that? Or because we believe that God created male and female, not male and 60 different things in between female. The fact that we just believe that, that, you're, that, you're, that we actually believe in one or the other, not every other thing that could be in between. One headline I've, and Pastor Josh referred to Andrew Thorburn, the Essendon, uh, temporary Essendon um, uh, 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 CEO who got the sack, and the article was called Andrew Thorburn cancelled after 24 hours. Andrew Thorburn, was, who resigned as Essendon chief executive over the link, his link to a church that condemns homosexuality and abortion, goes on to say, uh, uh, went on to ask the question, are workers now worried their faith will impact their employment prospects? Are Bible-believing Christ followers going to be verbally cancelled or physically persecuted as we draw closer to the return of Christ? My answer for you is, watch out, it is yes. Be prepared. We're not going, Pastor Josh said it adequately last week about, we're not going to be the most favoured people in, in town because of our belief of the Bible. Popularity doesn't mean truth. That's what he was saying last week. I believe it. I understand it. That you are going to feel that pressure at different times. The Passion Version of verse seven says, "You will hear of wars and, uh, and uh, sorry, of, you will hear rumors of wars nearby, with more rumors of wars to come. Make sure you are not thrown into panic or give in to your fears, for these things are destined to happen." And it goes on to say, "Prepare for it." Mark 13, 33, further on in our text, it says, And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard, stay alert, and pray. 
And if you follow that through, that theme all the way through to the end of Mark chapter 13, and I encourage you to read it again today, you'll see that Jesus is saying, wake up church, wake up Christians, be alert. Life is not going to continue as it has been. I believe for many Christian people in Australia, we are so full in our lives. Our lives are so full of the secular and personal issues of life. We're not thinking about the return of Christ. We're not thinking about the various issues surrounding uh, uh, the, the, the return of Christ and the signs of His coming. It does not seem to affect the way we live. I do want to stir you up this morning. I do want to challenge you. I know that word's a horrible word, isn't it? Challenge. Let me challenge you. Wake up. Be prepared. Know what you believe so you can stand at the right time. Ever since I was a Christian, you know, I got saved March the 13th, 1983. I got saved on a Sunday morning. It was about 11 20 in the morning, I know exactly, I could take it back to the spot where this, it was like Paul getting a, a forehead slap by the Lord when he was on the way to, you know, Saul of Tarsus when he was on the way. I got a forehead slap, God slapped me down and got, got me saved. Well, that night, the church had a Christian horror movie on. It, it was called Years of the Beast, an old 16 millimeter film that, that detailed from the rapture to the, uh, to, to the second coming of Christ and those seven years of tribulation period and how bad it gets. And I was sitting there as a, uh, as a new believer, you know, uh, <laughs> what the heck, man, I'm sitting there. <laughs> and it, 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 was, it, was, it was burned into my mind <laughs> that you need to know what you believe. And that life will change one day and will continually on an ongoing basis change. Ever since Jesus said these words, Christians have been persecuted, arrested, imprisoned and martyred. It's not like it's nothing, anything new. The apostles are classic cases. They were harassed, beaten, thrown into prison, and yes, even martyred. Ever since time, since that time, history records for us, persecution has been a part of Christian life. It may not be a part of your Christian life right now, but it has been ever since Christ said these words. Jesus sounded this prophetic warning because of his love for us and his concern of how we would respond in persecution. That's what the big deal is about this prophetic warning today. Because the frequency and the intensity of the persecution is going to continue to escalate the closer we get to the return of Christ. If we listen to the humanistic voices of today, they say that we're a better generation, we're a more educated, more intelligent people than ever have been in history. Can I ask you, why has persecution not decreased but increased? Why are there more wars than ever? 
Headline this week, I was reading on one Christian site, Russia closes down Ukraine churches. They're just not fighting a battle over there. Mr. Insane Putin is trying to just crush anything that is against anything that he believes. Open Doors says this, the persecution of Christians is increasing. It is estimated that as many as 360 million Christians worldwide face high levels of persecution or discrimination. What's disturbing is that Christian persecution is higher today than at any other time in modern history. Nearly 6,000 Christians have been killed with over 5,000 churches attacked this year. Todd Marshall, a, a, a statistician, a Christian statistician, said the total number of Christians martyred for their faith in history is around about 70 million. More than half of those occurred during the 20th century. In 20, from 2011 to 2020, 900,000 believers. 900,000 believers were martyred. That's one in every seven believers in the world. Other forms of persecutions apart from murder do exist and that is the assassination of character, slander, ridicule. Christianity Today had this article, a Christian teacher was fired from her job because she was concerned about a gender transitioning student. Her employer, an English primary school, rejected her concerns after teachers were told none of the students or the parents were to know the biological sex of the child. The school was supported by the local authority and the Church of England Diocese. Hello. Church of England supported the school in sacking the teacher. The teacher was barred from expressing her Christian beliefs or views about transgenderism in the school and was ordered to affirm the student's gender transition. But after sharing her, uh, her safeguarding concerns for the child, she was sacked for gross misconduct. That's what they call gross misconduct. The article goes on to say, she said staff were being coerced into teaching children lies. Her lawyers from the Christian Legal Center warned that affirming transgender ideology is becoming a public health crisis in, Britain's, in British schools. They added Christian teachers who refused to go against the, their conscience uh, face being barred from their uh, profession. Can it happen in Australia? Well, it's happening in England. The Passion uh, Translation of 2 Timothy 3.1, I want to read it to you, says, but you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will be extremely fierce. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things and as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. I'm asking the question this morning, are we not living in these days right now? Christians will be hated because 
we believe the Bible literally. There's no problem when you start when we preach about the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. Not many people have problems with that, but why? What about when we start preaching about repentance from sin? Even worse, what about when we start naming sin? You can do that but just by quoting the Bible. You know the Bible's got a list of them. <laughs> How about if you quote the Bible out on the street, if we took the whole, whole lot of us down to Malaga markets right now and formed a circle and started reading, what do you think would happen? It would be a riot. It would, there would be yelling and carrying on left, right and centre. Aren't we living in those days now with the truth, as Pastor Josh said last week, is almost pushed aside. We don't want truth. Matthew 24, 9 and 10 says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake, and then, and then many will be offended. You know what? Christians don't have to do much today to offend, them, offend the population. By the way, this isn't the judgment of God. This is simply the hatred of man against the things of God. I'm not talking about the judgment of God here. I'm talking about man reacting to the Word of God. People who hate the Word of God and hate what Christ stands against. And there are people like that. Now, I'm not saying they can't repent, turn around and have a transformation. I believe God for the hardest of all sinners to be saved. And I want to preach and encourage them and show them the love of God. I want to share with them the grace of God and His forgiveness. But there are still going to be some hard nuts that are going to stand and oppose us. In the New Living Translation of John 15 and verse 18, the Bible says, If the world hates you, remember, it hated me first. In verses 35 to 36, you too must keep watch for you don't know when the master of the household will return in the evening at midnight, at dawn, before dawn or at daybreak. Don't let them find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. Here Jesus is telling a, a prophetic story, a prophetic warning, a parable saying, wake up. And you know what? The Lord's prophetic warning was meant to be a stimulant, not a depressant. Don't get depressed today. Don't get, don't get, and I want to, secondly, I want to say, watch out, but don't panic. Okay? Don't panic, Mr. Mannering, if you remember that show. That, some mothers do have them, all that sort of stuff, you know? I, I miss, misspent youth watching too much TV, all right? But watch out, but don't panic. Verse 7 says, don't panic. Verse 11, but when you're arrested and stand trial, don't worry. John 16, 33, I've told you all this that you may have peace in me. Did you get that? that just, just let that settle in your spirit there a little bit. I've told you all this, that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. 
this prophetic warning to prepare, to, to be alert, to be awake, is all about you and I coming to Christ, having a peace in Him, and being prepared for what's coming, but don't panic. Darren Gim was preaching recently at, at another church, and I went online to listen to his sermon. I loved it. And he made this one, he made this one little statement. He said, be pet, uh, prepared, not petrified. Be prepared, not petrified. Why? Because we have Christ in our life. It doesn't mean you're not going to go through persecution. Just because you've accepted Christ, given your life to Him, does not mean it's all going to be peaches, cream and happy juice. Or rice cream and ice cream, like I, or sticky date like I, my wife likes to eat. It's not, it's not just going to be easy. We have the choice on how we're going to respond to persecution. Think about that. You have the choice on how you're going to respond to persecution. You can get angry. You can, you can be resentful. You can be in fear and worry. Or even worse, you can capitulate. It horrified me as I was preparing this message that there would be some people in this church today that under the weight of persecution, give up on Christ. How much weight of persecution would it take to take you away from Christ? Losing your job. Being abused regularly or even beaten by your neighbours in your neighbourhood. It happens in other places of the world all the time. But what do those Christians do? How do they respond? They don't ask that God takes away the persecution. They just say, pray for strength for us that we can stand under the weight of it. So don't watch out, but don't panic. Don't capitulate. In Mark 10, uh, sorry, Matthew 10, 28, it says, And do not fear those who can kill the body. Pastor Josh quoted this scripture last week, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Alternatively, today, you and I, the way we look at persecution is not that it is in fear and worry, but Jesus said this is an opportunity for you to tell others and to show others the love of God. We can have a resolve and a determination to continue to worship God and to live for Him. I want to close with my third point and I want to say, watch out and stand strong. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. I want to inspire you. Stand strong for God. Stand up for your Saviour. Stand up for the Word of God that brings liberty and truth. That Word of God that sometimes just brings that peace that surpasses all understanding. When you're going through a hard time and you've turned to the Scriptures and the Spirit of God quickens the Word, stand up for it. It is the entire truth. He is the way, the truth and the life. He is everything and I encourage you to stand up for Him just like Coach 
Joseph Kennedy, an NFL coach who was well known in the Christian community in the United States for his battle against the authorities over the issue of prayer. As the story goes, in 2015, um, Coach Kennedy had a habit of going to the 50-yard line after a uh, NFL game, that he, uh, a team that he would coach, and he would go to the 50-yard line, bow his knee and thank God for the game, pray for the opposition, pray for his players, anybody that was injured, he just, a moment of prayer, 20 seconds, 30 seconds of prayer. In 2015, an opposing coach noticed Coach Kennedy went to the 50-yard line to pray. After the game, uh, after the game, which offended this coach, so he went to the authorities to make a complaint. The school board received the complaint and decided to ask Coach Kennedy to stop the practice. Next game, at, uh, next game he left the stadium without praying at the 50-yard mark and on his way home felt so ashamed and full of regret and convicted by the Spirit of God, he went back to the stadium and prayed on the 50-yard line. He repented tearfully before the Lord and again asked that the Lord would give him strength to pray next time. Next game came about. He went to the 50-yard mark at the end of the game and prayed. Noticed by the school principal, who was uh, the school principal of uh, Bremerton School, they, they took him and placed him on leave and eventually refused to rehire him. He said, for 20 years I served my nation as a Marine and I was sacked for 20 seconds of prayer. Earlier, uh, sorry, earlier this year, after, seven year, after a seven-year battle with authorities, the Supreme U.S. Court um, found in his favour 6-3 and he was granted his job back and compensation for the last seven years. Coach Kennedy made his stand. He was prepared to lose his income. He was prepared to lose his name to be shamed by the authorities, but he was not prepared to give in on his God. He stood for his Lord. Coach Kennedy is an example to you and I of someone just that we need to emulate just like the Lord Jesus who stood and inspired others to follow him. So should we follow the example of someone else who stands up for their faith. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 and 14, it says, Therefore take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. I love that. He says three times, stand up. So wake up, Christian, and stand up. <laughs> I'm having a good time. I'm sorry about you. <laughs> I'm challenging because I've been here. I worked at James Cook Uni many years ago. And uh, as the musicians might come, we're going to bring it to a close. I worked at James Cook University in Townsville. And um, at, I am... I'm one of those hard-nosed Christians that I left alcohol behind when I got saved because it represented, I grew up with an alcoholic mother. I, 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 I despise the whole thing that it does to somebody. 
So at, at this James Cook Uni, they wanted me to ca carry bottles of wine for the professors up these five uh, flights of stairs. So I said, no, it's a, uh, it's a safety issue. They said, no, 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 we'll help you. I, I said, listen, this isn't university business. These blokes are buying it for their own selves. And uh, they, I'm not going to do it. And I felt God to make that stand. So anyway, the, the, one of the guys, his name, I, I, I can't even remember his name, Joe probably remember it, but this guy, this older guy, he says, well, we're not going to look after you. You're gonna, and he starts, he victimised me for the next six months until I left the job. All because I wouldn't do what he wanted me to do. And I felt like it was a godly standard I was making. Now that's not for you to, to judge whether I did the right or wrong. I want you to hear I made a stand because I believed it was what God told me to do. What is God telling you to make a stand about today? Who's He telling you to make a stand with? If anybody at work starts telling dirty jokes, you know what I do? See you later, you blokes. I can't stand that. I walk away. I'm not going to put up with it. I'm not going to stand around and engage. Jesus finished that first part of that prophetic warning by making this statement in verse 13 of Mark 13. He says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. That word endures, go through, traverse difficult times. Matthew 5 verse 10 through to 12 says, blessed are you those who are persecuted. <laughs> you and I don't see uh, uh, any blessing in being persecuted. But he says, blessed are you who are persecuted for, for righteousness' for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward for, the, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let that sink into your spirit. Prepare. Don't panic, but be prepared to make a stand. Stand strong, Christian. Be prepared for any trouble. Be vigilant. Fear not. Trust in God. By His grace, we can endure right to the end. As I was praying on Friday morning, I love it when God's just quickened something to me. But Friday morning, who knows what's the middle chapter of the Bible? The whole centre of the Bible. Psalm 118. Well done, everybody who put their hand up and said that. Psalm 118 is the middle chapter of the Bible. The middle verse of the entire Bible is Psalm 118 verse 8. And it encapsulates exactly what we are to be as Christians. Listen to it. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. If you can encapsulate the whole Bible, God's Word to you and I is put your trust in Him. Don't trust whether or not the interest rates are going to go up and down, whether or not the superannuations are going to go belly up, superannuation funds are going to go belly up. Who knows what's going to happen? That's Jesus calling.
Who knows what's going to happen? We got an idea of some of the signs that are leading to these things. But what I'm saying is the, the, the intensity, the, the frequency, how often this is going to happen is going to increase the closer we get to the return of Christ. And what I believe is the rapture of the church. Romans 8, 18 says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. Nothing! Weigh everything up in regards to eternity and heaven. Glory to God. I'm looking forward to a crystal sea and streets of gold. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to the glory of God. Acts chapter 5, it, this classic story. Here the boys have really copped a hard time, haven't they? They've been beaten for their faith. Verse 27 and 29 says, And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, Did we not strictly command you to teach in, the, in, the, in, in this name? And now look, you have filled Jerusalem with, this, with your doctrine. And intend, and intend to bring this man's blood on us. And Peter said, and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Be prepared to stand up for him. Don't panic. Draw hope and joy of the fact that we're going to go to be with Christ one day. And anything we suffer on this earth is minute. What's going to happen? I can't tell you everything that's going to happen. I'm just going to tell you it's going to get pretty hairy at times. It is. It's not always going to be easy being a Christian. But please, please don't capitulate. Don't throw the towel in. Be strong in the Lord. Keep your vision on heaven and your trust in God. And by His love, He, made it, he gave us this warning. Okay, he gave us a warning. Let's take it to heart. Let's be alert. Let's be awake as Christians. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.